This is Your Working Life, a podcast that provides you with tools, inspiration, and resources so you can enjoy your career and love your life. I'm Caroline Dowd Higgins. I'm a speaker, author, and an executive coach. And today, I am delighted to welcome Jenny Tse to the show. Jenny is a first generation Asian American and founder and owner of Sipping Streams Tea Company. Jenny, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me today. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to unpack a delicious conversation with you. There's so much, and we were getting to know each other before the show today. But I mentioned right off the bat in the intro that you are the founder and owner of Sipping Streams Tea Company. But you said to me before the show, I wasn't born an entrepreneur. This opportunity came after a variety of things that happened in your life. So give us that context. And Tell us how, uh, first of all, you became passionate about tea and then made it your profession. Yeah, it's very interesting because my parents were entrepreneurs when I was a kid. My parents are retired chefs. And when my dad had um, a very bad, I guess maybe evil business partner who embezzled all of his tax money, my dad took the fall for it. So growing up about nine years old, um, we were told over and over again, don't ever own a business, be something stable, be a doctor, be a teacher, anything but an entrepreneur. Don't ever do it. And if you ever do, never have a business partner. And um, so that was definitely ingrained in us, even though we were very entrepreneur minded. And I didn't even know what that meant. I just thought it was fun. Like my whole family, everyone always said we were workaholics. Like we would sell at the farmer's market, grow our own vegetables. My sister and I would do arts and crafts and, you know, these hobbies. And my mom's like, why don't you sell them at the farmer's market? So it was like very much encouraged to like sell things or work hard and work was fun to us. Um, but when I went to college, okay, so my whole childhood, I've been drinking coffee since I was four. But I was a double wow, major. four. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've always drank like black coffee. And it also has to do with the assimilation into like American lifestyle and culture because Asian culture doesn't want to make waves. And so my dad drank coffee. My mom didn't drink coffee, but she drank hot water. And so we always had coffee around. I mean, we had tea, but it was like what my grandparents did or like when relatives visited. Um, so growing up, not speaking English as my first language, um, and just trying to fit in um, in the early 80s, especially in Alaska, was something that was really important to my parents and to us is just to not make waves. So anyways, so I've been drinking coffee since I was four and I actually like the taste of coffee. So that's also why I started at such a young age. No one forced it on me. I didn't put tons of cream and sugar in it. I'm actually lactose intolerant. Um, and so... I, that's just what I always drank. And in college, I was going to have to pay my student loans back my last year. And I was a double major. And I was like, wow, my drink is like five, five something, like 528 or something like that every day. That's crazy. That's like a whole meal. I got to pick the cheapest thing on the coffee shop menu, which was like tea. It was cheaper than the bottled water. <laughs> um, so people started assuming I was a tea drinker, even though I've had these friends for five years in college, just because I had a tea bag tag hanging out of my cup. 
And so people would ask me questions about tea and we're asking, oh, are you drinking tea because you're Chinese? Oh, I heard it's healthy for you. I heard it cures cancer. And remember, I'm going into athletic training, which is sports medicine and physical education. So health and wellness and education are kind of my specialty. And and going in with that mindset, with those ethics, it's like, oh, wow, people are asking a lot of questions. I have no idea. Uh, maybe I should find out. And that was essentially the journey of me starting to drink tea. And the more that I learned about tea, the more, of course, I would educate people about what I learned. And the more people would encourage me to start a tea company, even though I was already working at the physical therapy clinic. And then I moved on to be a high school teacher everywhere, like my coworkers, um, parents of my students, they would always say, you should start a tea company. I'm like, um, but then I won't be here working if I start a business. I love that story. And I, the well-meaning people in your, your family and your greater network, I get it. Everybody has ideas. And we're going to dive into some of the beautiful nuances of tea because you you have become quite an expert, Jenny. But I want to pick a little bit at the fact that your training as a teacher and a physical therapist we're very different, different professional environments than running a business. So how did you learn to manage staff and really focus those leadership skills that you acquired to run a business? Did you did you learn by doing? Tell me more about that. Oh, yeah. So every job that I've ever had, every career I've ever had, I'm not the supervisor. I don't know how to supervise people. I don't know how to manage people. But I do know how to control a classroom. I'm really good at classroom management. And as a teacher, you are teaching your students to learn, to think on their own. Because there's no way you could spend one-on-one -on -one with every single student the whole day, right? It's not private one-on-one -on -one coaching. You're teaching a whole classroom. So my thought process, because I knew how to be a teacher, was, okay, if I have employees, I just teach them. I teach them how to learn, how to, you know, use the resources, the structure. I know how to make curriculum, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I've built lesson plans and things like that. So everything that I had to teach my staff, I would kind of, almost like a curriculum I would make for the staff so they could learn how to wash the dishes, like protocol, this and that. I didn't know at the time it's called you know, SOPs or employee handbook or anything like that. I just knew how to be a teacher. And so my very beginning of when I started my company and I had employees, um, I was also fortunate to hire college students who happened to be education majors. So they understood how to learn and also how to teach each other. So I just went in the philosophy of almost being like a teacher, like I love time. that. I love yeah. that. And and look, as a career coach, my wheels are spinning because so many individuals that I work with say, gosh, I, I was in this career for so long and now I'm pivoting. And I think of teachers, because some of them are pivoting now, those skills are incredibly valuable in other fields as, as you just articulated. So thank you. I think that was a real aha moment, I'm sure, for our listeners. But let's go a little deeper because I get the teacher transferability, but clearly you got excited about tea. You know, you've been drinking coffee since you were four, which is impressive. You were quite a four-year-old. But how did you how did you really flip that switch to become knowledgeable and expert about tea? So I was actually honestly just trying to find answers 
for my friends when they would say, oh, I heard tea is healthy for you. Oh, I heard it cures cancer. And my professors really emphasized in finding the, the truth behind these ideas, these possible myths out in health and wellness. What does the research actually say? So when I was doing research on different case studies for physical therapy, electrical modalities, healing techniques in different peer-reviewed case studies, I would actually sometimes come across case studies on tea which I would be very interested because now I found the resource, these questions that my friends were asking. So I'd read the whole case study, understand them, and essentially like regurgitate what I learned. So people would say, oh, you should ask Jenny if you have questions about tea. She knows everything about tea, which was not true. I was based off of just certain case studies that I was learning. And since it's very in-depth and I'm very you know, scientific-minded, um, people would just start saying, well, you know, she knows so much about tea, but um, essentially that's where it started off with was just looking at the research, trying to understand why someone would assume tea was healthy because I didn't think tea was healthy. I just knew it was something that you drank. Um, and so that was the, essentially the beginning of how I became known as an expert. And then when I was a high school teacher, because more and more people were like, oh, you should ask Jenny. She has all this information about tea. The school actually asked me to design a semester long curriculum on tea. So I actually had to design a whole tea class. Oh, wow. Interesting. And eventually you took a summer trip to China and visited tea farms. Tell me about yeah, that. Yeah. So I was going to take like a summer vacation um, I mean, it was summer vacation because I was a teacher. And I was like, oh, well, if I'm going to learn more about tea and, you know, just kind of essentially playing with the idea like, well, what if one day I want to own a tea company? Well, I should find out more. Why don't I take a vacation, go to China and learn more about tea? And that was the day that I got laid off from the private school that I taught at. So... I handed my airplane ticket to the customer service agent. I sat in my seat and I was like, I guess I'm doing tea now. And I got laid off because <laughs> the school only was going to have five kids coming back the next year. Five. That's wow. like insane. That's, that's almost like no school. Um, and it was a very small private school to begin with, but that was like less than half of the students returning the next year. Wow. Well, that was that was an opportunity to pivot in a big way. You know, I love how you were chatting with me before we we started the show today saying so many people helped you on your journey and you're out there helping other entrepreneurs pave their way. So how did you find people to help you really stand up the business and create a vision? Because you've got a book, you've got a podcast, you've got a brick and mortar store. You're doing quite a bit. So help us understand how you got from the beginning to where you are now? Well, one of the things in my small community, I'm in Fairbanks, Alaska, very small town, middle of Alaska, and I'm doing something very different and unique that nobody else in Alaska does, specializing in tea with the tea shop, specializing tea education and culture. And so I'm very good at what I do. And so people would always come to me for business advice, which for me, I just have a teacher's mindset of like educating, letting people know, which in another way you could think about is marketing, right? Mm -hmm. So people would always 
give me opportunity, approach me with opportunity. And one of the first, first things I did when I opened my tea store was um, the radio station approached me and they pitched me the idea of to have a weekly a radio show on tea called Tea on Tuesdays. Every Tuesday morning for six years, I was live on the radio um, classic rock station. This was before podcasts, but I got to the place where I just needed help getting to the next level because I didn't know what I didn't know. I didn't know how to manage employees. I didn't know like about incentivizing company culture or anything like that. Nobody who was another small business owner around me, they looked to me as their mentor, but I had no mentor myself. So one day I was in Seattle selling at a wholesale show there and I was commuting back and forth from my, my cousin's house to the convention center. I was like, I need something. Maybe there's a podcast out there on business or something. So I literally just looked it up on iTunes podcast or whatever. And that's when I was like, oh my goodness, there's this whole world of like mentorship and entrepreneurship. And so that's how I got started. And then that's how I found my first um, business coach. And I would say anyone, you know, especially because you're listening to this podcast on entrepreneurship, like start there, learn and listen as much as you can, because you don't know what you don't know. You have no idea because no one is born an entrepreneur. I love that. So, so wise. Jenny, we'll be right back after a quick break. I'd like to tell you about a special offer. If you want to bring your podcast to life or up your podcast game, you can get up to two months of free podcasting service with Libsyn using my special code CDHWORK. The Libsyn team will get your podcast on Apple and Spotify and give you access to critical stats and all the support you need to sound your best and grow your show. Use my special code CDHWORK. Hiring the right speaker for your event is a tremendous responsibility. You need a speaker who will work within your budget and engage your audience. Whether you're looking to retain or grow top talent, create a healthy workplace culture, or prevent burnout in your organization, I can create customized content to help you recharge, reignite, or reinvent your career. Let's talk about how I can help you achieve your special event goals. Connect with me at carolinedowdhiggins.com. You know, I'm, I'm so grateful for your vulnerability and your candor because so many people listening want to start that business and they think they need to be perfectly ready. And what I'm hearing you say is, figure it out as you go. It's okay. You can, you can fly that plane while you're still building it. So tell us a time where maybe there was a struggle early on, something challenging, and how did you overcome it? How did you showcase resilience? So one of the things is I'm very trusting, like probably too trusting where it can be taken advantage of. And so this was a time in my business, maybe like three years into my business. And I have my CPA telling me that I'm getting all these letters from the IRS. They're like, you owe this money. You have this penalty. So I just came, went to my CPA and I was like, I don't know what these penalties are for. Like, 
can you take care of them? Like, what's going on? I thought I'd pay all my taxes on time. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's fine. It's their mistake. And I'm like, I had no idea that the IRS doesn't make mistakes. Like, <laughs> I'm listening to my CPA. Um, so this went on for years until it went to the breaking point. Again, I'm very trusting, even of my staff. And at the same time, around all these pile up of these letters and stuff, um, saying that I owe money, which I would always just go and write, you know, all my taxes and give them to my CPA and they would mail it and my payments, everything. Um, and I had an employee who didn't come back to work. And I was like, that's so strange. I wonder if they're okay. Like maybe they're sick. Like, you know, like I don't, I'm such a bad supervisor. Like I always want to believe the goodness out of everyone. And then one day one of my assistant managers is like, I can't find the books. Like I'm trying to do a deposit. I can't find the money. I can't find the books. I also can't get a hold of that one employee. And then people started coming into our store saying, hey, so-and-so who works for you stole all your money, stole the books. And she's telling everybody about it. So much so that her parents called us and told us that and said, we also called the police to turn her in. And we're like, what? Like me and my assistant manager were like, we just couldn't believe it. Like, we're just like, what? We treat them like family. No, this didn't really happen. And and then it came to the point where it was like, it did happen. And this was at the same time as our CPA was not doing our taxes right, lying to us and a bunch of stuff. So there was a huge snowball all about the same time where I almost lost my business. And And how how did you recover? Because that's tough, right? That's intense. Well, like, like we mentioned before, you don't know what you don't know. And so you do have to be humble enough to ask. So I told my landlord, I'm like, I don't know what's going on. Like, you know, I can't pay the rent. I have to pay my employees. And he was like, okay, let's put you on a payment plan. And so we like negotiated payments. You know, I didn't pay myself. So I was like working another job. I was substitute teaching. So that was easy um, for me. And so I was substitute teaching during the day. And then my staff essentially ran themselves. And during my breaks or whatever, I would make sure I'd call the store, make sure everything was okay and that everyone had everything that they needed during like when the kids were at PE or something. And um, so I did that for like six years. In fact, so bad that I didn't even pay my taxes because I had to fire my CPA. I didn't know how to do anything. I didn't have any money until one day I got all these letters saying like, you're going to have a tax lien. And I'm like, I don't even know what a tax lien is. (laughs) And so then I started getting money, you know, taken out of my bank account like by the IRS. And then I got a phone call because I must be on some list or something saying that I have tax problems. And a tax firm who specializes in situations that I was in, like reached out to me. And I asked um, a different um, CPA because I had switched to it. And I was like, what should I do? And they said, let's interview them. Let's talk to them on the phone, this, you know, tax attorney firm and see what they can do. And so with this, um, tax attorney firm and my new CPA, we interviewed them over the phone and we were able to negotiate with the IRS, with this um, tax attorney firm. And it took years and, and I finally paid it all off. Everything's right. Every, you know, paid back the landlord um, and even, you know, scaled my business and moved locations. But it was 
many years. I would feel like it was like six plus years of this struggle. Well, well done you for being gritty and resilient and persistent. And Jenny, I understand that you really want to be in a small community. There are things that you bring to the vibrant economy. You could have scaled and gone larger. So what is it about having your business in Fairbanks and what are you getting from it? Because clearly it's a synergistic relationship. Well, I think it's the culture of Fairbanks. Um, It's very different than the rest of Alaska, than Juneau or Anchorage, other places that people might have heard of. It's definitely like, a small town mentality. It's not super small, it's maybe 80,000 people, but everyone supports each other here because first of all, it's freezing cold in the winter time. We have three months of warmth, you know? Our summers are very short here. And so it's a place built off of resilience, but also asking your neighbor or the stranger in the grocery store or someone on, you know, that you have to flag down because your car broke down. So it kind of puts you in this humble community that uplifts each other. And I feel that's the way my small business has grown and thrived is from the support of people like that in our community and also people who come and visit because tourism is huge here in Alaska. And so some people who visit here are just like, this is the most friendliest place I've ever been. Everyone wants to say hi to you. And I said, well, yes, that's because everyone is from somewhere else originally. And we all come here to, you know, want that same type of community feel. And so we support each other no, no matter what that is. I think it's clear that you also make your customers, who are also your neighbors and your colleagues and your friends in a small community, feel valued and special. So what is, what's your secret sauce there to make people feel important as a customer? I think the most important thing is to listen, to ask mm-hmm. questions and listen, because you don't know how to serve unless they've told you. And sometimes it just takes a few questions about them, because the focus on service is about the other person, not about yourself. Jenny, I want to talk a little bit about the power of tea. You know, looking at your book, Table of Contents, you have the Tao of tea and mindfulness and community and gratitude and all of these beautiful things that are now part of the tea culture. So tell us about how you infuse that. Perhaps that's a pun intended, right? With the infusion. <laughs> how you infuse that into your business philosophy and how people experience you, whether it's in the book or in the store or via the podcast. So our mission at Sipping Streams Tea Company is to help people grow to know who they are. It has to do with personal development. It has to do with quality of life which goes back to my philosophy of when I worked in sports medicine. But for me, entrepreneurship is not about being rich because in the end, you're not going to take the money with you when you die. So it's all about your life and how you can live your life right now. But growth happens through mindfulness, through reflection, through gratitude. And with those things, those core pillars of our company, That's how we're able to spread our mission to enable other people to grow and to develop. And our world really needs people to love and embrace each other and to allow for growth. I grew a lot not knowing how to manage people. My staff have taught me how to grow a lot. But when we don't take time 
to slow down and to think and be aware of what's happening right now will move so fast that things will just kind of fall apart and be really rocky. So just taking those five minutes, even if you're having a cup of tea, a cup of tea is like five minutes, you know, you can easily do those exercises of mindfulness, reflection, gratitude, and reflect and bring it full circle back to your community. Mm, I love that. So Jenny, I understand that Sipping Streams Tea Company is starting an experimental tea farm in Alaska with geothermal heat. That's incredible. Tell us about that. Yeah, so it started a couple years ago, or I I get confused with the COVID years, during COVID. So Mm -hmm. I teach online tea classes to students around the world. And some of my tea students were asking me, about when I was gonna start a tea farm because I already have a restaurant. My tea company is also a restaurant. So kind of like with my parents influencing me growing up and we specialize in manufacturing tea blends and we sell tea and serve tea. And I was teaching my students about the tea plants and I shipped them all a tea plant so they could learn the different parts of the plants and how it makes different types of teas. And so then they're like, well, I guess the next step for you to do is to start a tea farm. And I laughed. I was like, there's no way I'm starting a tea farm. Are you crazy? I'm already so busy. I'm teaching tea classes. I have the restaurant side, the brick and mortar side, the wholesale side. And then my husband was like, but what would it take to start a tea farm? (laughs) And I'm, you know, I'm one of those very logical scientific people. So I just listed off like X, Y, Z. This is how it would happen, and this is how it could happen in Alaska. And he's like, so why don't you go make it happen? I'm like, I don't have time. So my friend, our friend, my husband and I's friend, owns the only geothermal, um, uh, I guess you could call it a resort, but it's a geothermal power plant at Sheena Hot Springs Resort. And we know him personally. And so he's like, well, why don't you just ask him if you can grow your tea, start a tea farm? there, you know, just experimentally to see if it could happen. And so I'm like, man, this guy is so busy. He owns all these different businesses. He's like a multimillionaire. He's not going to have time. And he's very political, especially with like sustainability in Alaska. He's a very um, big activist for sustainability. And um, I'm like, he's not going to have time. He's like, well, why don't you just ask him? And if he says no, he says no. So I was like, yeah, that's right he might say no. So I was hoping he would say no. <laughs> and then we played phone tag for like a month. And he one time, one day at lunch, he's like, you got 15 minutes of my time right now. Go. And I was like, oh, okay. So I pitched him my 15 minute pitch. And he was like, okay, let's do it. And I was like, what? What? He's like, yeah, when's it going to happen? Like next month? Wow. And I was like, okay, this is happening now. <laughs> so um, it's been a couple years now that we've had the tea farm. And the tea plants are doing really well. We've learned a lot about how we've had to, it's in a high tunnel, so it's a controlled greenhouse environment, Um, but how our winters here have to have different environmental controls, like increased humidity. It's extremely dry here in Fairbanks, Alaska, like 20% humidity, but it likes 65% humidity. And it likes sunlight. So we have grow lights. And anyways, it's been really good. It makes amazing tea. We've already handcrafted some teas, very micro batches, very time labor intensive, but it's very rewarding and it's starting to do better and better. 
Well, Jenny, I am thrilled with you, thrilled for you, I should say, and it is such an inspiration to hear about your journey. And you are quite the Renaissance woman. You've got an extraordinary book. I want to tell this audience. The book is called The Essence of Tea, The Transformational Journey of a Tea Connoisseur. And of course, it's available on Amazon, but you have a podcast. You've got the brick and mortar store. You're teaching tea classes. So Jenny, tell this global audience how they can follow you after the podcast. Yeah. If you go to my website, sippingstreams.com, I'm pretty much found anywhere on social media links that are at Sipping Streams. But on there, on the uh, About Us section, you'll be able to find our YouTube channel links, our social media links, our tea education programs, and so much more. Oh, Jenny, I learned so much from you, and I'm sitting here enjoying a beautiful cup of tea, so it's very appropriate. And I hope that our paths continue to cross, and I thank you for sharing your time with me today. Thank you for having me. Your Working Life is now available on all major podcast platforms, and I want to hear from you, so let me know how we're doing. You can find me at carolinedowdhiggins.com. And a special shout out to my extraordinary podcast colleagues, Laura Deck, Executive Director of Publicity and Communications, and Claire McInerney, Executive Producer. Thank you for making this show awesome for our global audience. We now have listeners in 16 countries around the world. I'm Caroline Dowd-Higgins. Thanks for listening.